Blog Talk Radio. Excellent. 
Excellent. Yeah, Emily is very talented. Yeah, see, and it, I, I, can't, I got, I got to learn how to pronounce these names. <laughs> I, heard, I heard myself, Emmeline. Yes, Emmeline. And um, you know, yeah, we have some talented people, and that's why I think it's important that we communicate with one another, and you know, we utilize the talent that's in our community. You know, definitely utilize the talent that's here first. But before we go on, um, again, we're black free thinkers. We're here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Yep, and uh, and and if you're uh, if you're out there, you can dial a three one zero nine eight two and forty two seventy three to get through. And yes, uh, yes, think for yourself. We are not here to recruit. Excellent, excellent. And one announcement for an event coming up in August. Yeah, I know we're all the way in April, the beginning of April, but just to kind of give you guys a heads up, um, Sticky Will Hutchison will be in Atlanta. So if you have questions, you all can contact Mandisa Thomas or Judith Moore. But Sticky Will will be in Atlanta Saturday, August 24th, and she will be giving a presentation. Um, admission for the lecture is $15.00. If you want to stay for the reception, the ticket price would be twenty five. So it'd be twenty five total. That includes the lecture. But if you're not going to stay for the reception, ticket price is fifteen. Again, if you have any questions, you can speak to Mandisa Thomas or Judith Moore. So contact either one of those great people and they can give you some more information about that. And so that's what's happening there. All right, so let's see here. This week we are going to be talking about, we have Mario on the line with us now too. Today we're going to be talking about religion and the exploitation of women. Next Sunday we will be talking about religion, sexuality, and society, and that's going to encompass a variety of topics. We're going to talk about abstinence um, or abstinence education, celibacy, uh, slut-shaming, um, just a variety, you know, of topics. You know, Graina posted an article on my page um, about a porn conference, which I thought was interesting. If you get a chance, go to my page and check that out. But we're going to hit on several different topics that Sunday, so it should be interesting next Sunday. The Sunday after that, I will be conducting an interview with Sigibu Hutchison. We'll be talking about her new book, Godless Americana, and she probably will hit a little bit on moral combat a little bit. Both books are excellent. I would suggest that you guys go out and purchase them. You can go to com and the information is there. You can order the book. Or you can go to infidelbooks.com and order it from there as well. And so that's that. The last Sunday of the month, Sunday after that, we will have Grand Unified Theory on here. So, you know, the GU crew will be here. I know Braden will be here. I believe Sabina will be here. Tombstone will be here. And so and we're going to be talking about um, hip-hop and homophobia. So just to kind of give you a heads up on what we'll be talking about that Sunday as well. It should be a great Sunday. You know, pretty excited about it. So it should be, you know, great. So, guys, thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate each and every last one of you. William, give them the number again. 
That's 310-982-4273 to get through. And remember, we like Great on Square because he's actually good at rapping, not just because of what he raps about, not just because you might agree with him here or there, but because he's really nice on the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And if you want to speak to the host, you have to press 1. But we're going to talk a little bit today, well, not a little bit, a lot of it, about religion and the exploitation of women. And this has been happening, and this is all religious. This is not just Christianity. Um, This is not just, you know, uh, Hinduism, if you will. It's not just, you know, Islam. You know, it's all religions. And what's interesting is when I was talking with this with a religious friend, you know, she she's a Christian, and she kept pointing to the Catholic Church. And I said, Catholic Church, they are Christians. And she was like, no, they're not. And I'm like, yes, they are. So, you know, the whole, you know, it went from talking about women being exploited to the difference between the Catholic Church and a Protestant Church. And, you know, that led me to realize how little many of these people know about their own religion which is why I think it's important that we have these shows, you know, and, um, you know, kind of explain some things to people, not that they will accept it as true, you know, but at least hopefully it will challenge them to go out and, you know, look some of this information up and figure it out for themselves because, again, you know, we're not here to convert anyone. We're here to just basically put some information out there and hopefully – it will stimulate your thought process or at least, you know, encourage you to go out and do some research. You know, prove us wrong. I have no problem being corrected, not at all. You know, I don't know everything. I do not claim to know everything. I'm just trying to get better and learn more each day, and people teach me stuff all the time. So anyway, you know, um, I'm going to talk about a few things today, but eh, for kicks and giggles, let's talk about some loopholes, just in general, that the churches use to exploit for cash. And, you know, and then I'm going to lead that into how these some of these churches exploit women for cash. But, you know, five ways that the American church kind of exploits, you know, um, you know, different things, different loopholes for cash. You know, one would be the tax policy. Now, you all know that many of these are 501c3s, and they're nonprofits, so they don't pay any taxes. Not only do they not pay any taxes on the money that they collect, um, they don't pay any taxes on the land that their churches are on. And many of them have, you know, a real estate portfolio. And what's interesting is the IRS monitors secular nonprofits to the nth degree. I mean, line by line, they monitor our nonprofits. But with the churches, not so much. Um, I'm not sure if you all remember, you know, several years back when when the uh, Congress, they went after some of these evangelists, you know, Creflo Dollar, Joyce Meyer, Paula White, Eddie Long, you know, a host of them. And the majority of them refused to comply because they knew that, you know, the um, Congress members that demanded the information, they didn't have the jurisdiction. The IRS has the jurisdiction, and the IRS didn't step in. You know, so I find that, you know, quite interesting. Um, And that's why I tell people, you know, 
if you really want to challenge some of these churches, you have to challenge their 501c3 status. See, if they lose that 501c3 status, and that's any of these churches, if they start taxing these churches, I can almost guarantee you 60 to 70% of them will close up because they will no longer have that tax-exempt status. Mm-hmm. So that's something for you guys to think about. Um, the second way is criminal investigations. Look at how long the Catholic Church, and not only the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church, you know, how they were, they're were they able to cover up some of these abuses, you know, the physical, sexual, and emotional abuse that they inflict upon some people. And this is not everybody. You know, I want to make sure people understand that I'm not indicting all churches. It's just a select few that, you know, this has happened. Um, a church, you know, a few churches that I went to, but one in particular, this was kind of close to me. There was the youth pastor, young lady. She was about 24 at the time. And um, my friend's son, she basically went after him, and he was 16 at the time. And we found out about it and of course, that was not anything nice right there, but the pastor of that particular church sat her down, and I reported it. I reported it to the state. Um, you know, I was a minister as well. So by law, I had to report it, but the pastor didn't, and the pastor, you know, basically convinced my friend to not call the police and press charges, but a 24-year-old woman giving fellatio to a 16-year-old boy. No, that's not the way to go. So to make a long story short, he ended up marrying that same chick a few years ago. And we we had all believed that there was something going on even then. There was a reason why he didn't want her going to jail or his church under investigation. Because, again, here in the state of Illinois, you are required by law to report these things. The number three way is political lobbying, you know, um, basically with these 501c3 churches, they're not supposed to be politically engaged as a church. But I'm sure you all have seen a lot of this. You've seen where these politicians come to the church and they'll give their own little mini sermon, you know, talking about voting for them from the pulpit. The thing is, is that, you know, what I find interesting is they'll have one particular set of people, like with some of these larger mega churches, prosperity churches, you'll see conservative politicians and some of the, you know, more Pentecostal, sanctified, you know, holiness churches, you'll see some of the more liberal politicians. And so, you know, it's just interesting, but, you know, just think about this. Think about how much money these different churches have spent lobbying against abortion and marriage equality. Where did that money come from? It came from the laity. It came from the proletariat, the people in their congregation. And how is it that they're able to lobby against these particular issues, and yet they still have their 501c3? So anyway, just another thought for you guys to, you know, think about, you know, because a lot of people don't think about these things, but this is very, very true. Um, The fourth one is employment law, okay? And this is, you know, where it gets tricky. I'm not sure if you all remember the story that came out, um, got a lot of press a couple of years ago. And with this particular story is basically 
churches were, there was a case, and the churches were told that they did not have to employ members of the LGBT community because it went against what they believed in. And so, you know, basically, they're protected from the whistleblower laws. They're protected from charges of retaliation. They're, you know, protected from all of this. Um, you know, some women clergy have been fired for reporting sexual harassment in churches. Um, and it's, it's just the whole thing. And another thing for you guys to know about, a lot of people aren't aware of this. If you work for a church, they do not have to pay Social Security on you. They do not have to pay into these things. So let's say you're fired or you're laid off, uh, more than likely you won't be able to receive unemployment. And then when you retire, you retire from the church, there's no pension for you. You have to go directly to Social Security. But trust me when I say the pastor has a golden parachute. They have all kinds of, you know, um, different um, investment, you know, clubs and funds for the people in the leadership. I know this because I was part of that inner circle. So, again, you know, I'm just telling you guys to, um, you know, you know, reset the moral compass. Pay attention to what's happening. And the fifth one is ceremonial uses of religion. And that's pretty much, you know, self-explanatory, but I'll give an example. Look at all of these government, you know, um, when they have their conferences or what have you. They call upon different people to pray or what have you. So, you know, prayer breakfasts, all of that so they utilize religion for what they need at the time. So, again, you know, I want you guys to pay attention and see what's happening there and understand what's going on. And so I'm going to take that and kind of segue into how in many of these churches they exploit women for cash. When you go to these churches, who are the majority of the people you see at the church? The majority of the people in the congregation are women. You know, dare I say, 70% of the congregation are women. Right. And basically, yeah, you know, and basically they exploit those women for cash. You know, again, here we go with the tithing and offering. They exploit them for that type of money. They exploit them for, um, you know, willing workers, getting them to volunteer their time and talent and gifts saying that they're doing it for Jesus, they're doing it for God, and the pastor is getting paid. You know, after church, you can buy the pastor's tape or CD or DVD, and you have to pay a fee for that. And usually the women out there, stand, you know, standing there selling it to, you know, the congregation, the majority, I'll say 90% of the people you see working in the church, they're doing it for free. And the ones that are getting paid, like the music director, which is generally males, um, you know, the trustees, which are generally male, you know, not all the trustees are getting paid, the head trustee. And so, I mean, just different things like that need for you guys to pay attention. Um, you know, another way that they exploit women, again, is through the doctrine. You know, they tell women that their purpose in life is to bear them children. Nothing more, nothing less. And if you go back to the original story of Adam and Eve, you know, Eve was formed because Adam was lonely. 
And what mm-hmm. happens is with this type of mindset, basically, you know, while we're dealing with so much misogyny from some of these men, they they set the role up. They set the scene, the scenario, because basically they say that woman is here to serve men, period. We're here to bear them children and, and to satisfy, you know, their sexuality and and to create children so that these children can go to church. And it's, it's the whole thing is just interesting. But I look at women because why do, why do we allow them to do this? Why do we allow them to continue um, to exploit us in that particular way? And, um, you know, what's interesting is, you know, some of church, some of these men, especially some of the married men, but even some of the single men that have live-in girlfriends or whatever, they'll take it all the way to Ephesians 5, 22 through 25, and where it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husband as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And what happens here is a lot of men use that particular scripture to subjugate the woman and in some cases be abusive towards her because he's the head of the house and, you know, he rules over her and the children. And I've seen this happen to a lot of women and sometimes it turns into a physical issue. But basically, let's just say if the the woman or the wife does work, you know, in some cases I've seen she would have to bring her check home and give it to him and he would make decisions of the house, and he would give her a certain amount of money, and she had to account for everything, bring receipts home, you know, and it turned into a major type of control issue. And I just think it's important for, you know, women to know that, you know, you don't have to live that way. That's not what those scriptures mean, and I'm not here to, you know, go through those scriptures and to... Try to interpret it That's not what I do But what I'm saying is A lot of men use the Bible as a weapon To, you know, subjugate women And to control them And, you know, they manipulate them And they take these scriptures out of context And interpret it in so many different ways And again, this is meant to control Degrade and manipulate women Just in general And this is where patriarchy comes in you know, we use that word, and you know, we've had different people say, "Oh, you got a shiny new word." This is not a new word. This has been around for a while. And basically, patri- patriarchy defines women's and men's roles in very specific ways. And when it comes to the church, the husband devotes himself to providing economic resources and has a leadership position within the family. But the wife, she devotes herself to the home and is supportive of the family. And the patriarchal family structure requires that women subordinate their needs to the needs of men and children, and the men provide financial resources for the family. Now, what's interesting about that is Raina um, posted an article on my page yesterday or the day before in which it shows how women um, basically are in poverty. They live in poverty and they have some of the, you know, they have the health issues, most of the health issues. It's because they placed everybody else's needs in front of theirs. And they took care of everybody else before they took care of themselves. And you hear a lot of women saying that, that they had to put themselves on a back burner. But, you know, I would say this, how can you help someone else if you cannot help yourself? 
important that you start putting yourself first because your health and your mental and emotional state of being is very important, is extremely relevant because how can you help someone else and be there for them when you can't help yourself? You know, it's impossible. And if your health is failing, how are you going to be there for your children or your husband or your boyfriend or your parents or whomever, you know, your significant other? And so we need to kind of change some of our thinking just in general, change some of our thinking. And, you know, again, you know, we're talking about how women are manipulated. So are children. You know, children are manipulated. They are indoctrinated from, you know, in many cases from before they're even born. You know, the parents are talking to the stomach and, you know, telling Bible stories or, you know, just a number of different techniques that they use out there. But, again, like I said last week, I really do believe that, you know, there should be a movement for children. And what I mean by that is that they are human beings, they're people too, and they are exploited and abused in so many different ways that it's sickening. And there's no way to justify, you know, how some of these, you know, children are exploited. I'll use a story that was in the news that, you know, was going around, you know, this week pretty heavy. But that father, who, you know, I don't have a lot of details, so I can't say for sure if he's one of those head of the household, you know, holiness or hell type of men, but he beat his daughters, daughters, with a coax cable. And for those of you who are familiar with the coax, it's nothing but wires with a thin layer of hard plastic on top. And what happened is he beat them, and they had whelps and open sores, open wounds on their body. And when they went home, because apparently the parents aren't together, they went home, and the mother saw the injuries to the children. She called the police. She called the police, and she reported the husband, and he was indicted for that. Now, some of the responses that I've seen on some of these pages, whereas I've seen people comment and basically say that the husband should have beat the wife for calling the police on him. And, just you know, he had every right to beat the children, according to some people. And because if he didn't beat them, then the police would beat them or the pimp would beat them. And all of these ridiculous, you know, scenarios that, you know, these people make up. And at the end of the day, no one deserves to be beat. That's that slave mentality. But, again, you know, it goes back to the exploitation of women. Um, how in the world? Did those little girls, or even now the wife, deserve to be beat? And you know, that's I, what uh, Go ahead, hun. I even posted a diagram of because they a lot, a lot of people seem to keep missing the fact that this is this is not a belt, this is not a switch, nothing like that. Even though you know I kind of pulled back on all that stuff too, but this is a coaxial cable. You know, a coaxial cable is basically a copper wire and insulation and rubber um and a rubber outer uh coating, you know. Uh it's designed to be heavy duty. You know, it's designed to, to trans transport, you know, the um electrical signal from one from one spot to another. And in fact, um some you know, depending on what you have, you have um different cables have different different um purposes and whatnot. And um yeah, I'm looking at a diagram now. 
copper wire insulation, copper mesh, then the outer insulation, which is normally plastic or rubber. You know what I'm saying? So it's heavy duty. And so the idea that a grown man striking his young daughters with this is is good parents, you know, because I, I don't know what he's not doing or what he is doing, but apparently they've reached a point where he he's, he need, feels the need to do this, and they're, they're wearing pants, and there are welts and open wounds on their legs. So imagine what it would do to the naked skin. I just, I just thought it was horrible, and I was reading some of the comments myself. The majority of the people who are championing this guy's call and saying that he was doing the right thing are black women. Mhm. Exactly. Exactly. Now, you know, I'm not sure who takes that scenario. I don't know if the daughters I don't know if the daughters secretly taped it or if the father taped it as a means to, you know, uh, teach the daughters a lesson and put it on the internet. But some kind of way it ended up on the internet. And, you know, I'm just looking at the whole scenario. How is that teaching your girls a lesson? How? I'm trying to understand his mentality behind that. But in addition to that, you know, he felt as though he had the right to beat on those children like that, regardless of whatever the law had, you know, stated that, you know, you're not supposed to beat your children. At the end of the day, that's what it boils down to, and it was extremely disturbing uh, and basically kind of reminds me of the situation with Kreplo and his daughter. And one of the things that I said about Kreplo's daughter, and I'll say it about these young ladies, if the father can attack their child like that, then do they have a right to say anything if a young man does it? And will that young lady accept it because she accepted it from her father? And so, I mean, I'm just looking at all of this, and it's not right on any level. No, it's not. No, it's not at all. And, you know, um, even in that situation, and I'm like, and I'm reading, I mean, I actually read the article. I don't think so many, some of these people read the article, but I read the article, and it's talking about the, the man, Creflo is, is, is a decent-sized guy, choking his daughter to the point where, there are his handprints on her neck and with the article I read and everything. Mm-hmm. And all these black women are agreeing, yeah, you know what I'm saying? He, he ain't going to listen to my house. I'm going to snap too and everything like that. I'm like, if your parenting has been so ineffective that you feel like choking out your daughter is the next solution, then you really have dropped the ball somewhere. I mean, right. really. I, mean, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know how. And then I even put, put, put it like this. And I even asked the question, if it's okay for you as a parent, an authority, an authority figure in the eyes of your child, to strike your child in order to correct behavior or to elicit control, is police brutality therefore right? Because if, if, if a, somebody who has authority over you can hit you to correct your behavior, you know what I'm saying, why doesn't that transition not just from parent to child, but to any authority figure? And it doesn't even have to be an authority figure. You know, someone that's two, three, four times your size, you know, if if it's okay for you to do that to a child, is it okay for someone that's two, three, four times your size to get in your face and to yell at you and to physically abuse you and to force you to submit 
to whatever it is that they want you to do. Is, is that okay then? Mm-hmm. And, of course, yep. the answer is no. You know, it's okay if they do it to a child, but it's not okay if someone does it to them. And, like I said, I just right. think it's important that, you know, we, we look at all of this and, you know, pay attention and see what's happening. And what happens in some of these cases, some of these women and some of these girls, they take on self-blame, self-blame for the battering because, you know, these people could not control themselves. You know, and then when they use the scripture to justify, you know, their behavior, then that's where, you know, people start getting confused and that's where the faulty logic comes in. And that's why you'll see people say, well, you know, um, I was beat when I was younger, you know, and or in some cases with some of the wives, um, they'll say, well, my husband or my boyfriend, he hit on me and we're not together anymore, but I still turned out okay. And, you know, it's not okay. It's not okay at all. And, you know, just looking at all of this, again, like I said, you know, going back to the women in church, just, you know, you're indoctrinated. You're hearing the same stuff, you know, the same, you know, information, the scriptures, the justifications, the rationalizations over and over and I guess my question to some of these women, just in general, is why will they not let women in leadership roles in certain churches? The Catholic Church, you know, uh, you know, women cannot hold any type of authority. They can't be priests. They can't be deacons. They can be none of that. Cardinals, bishops, nothing. Why is that? I mean, have you ever sat down and actually thought about why? They will not allow women to be priests, deacons, bishops, cardinals, popes, or bishops. You know, why not? And no type of position has an authoritative authoritative role. And also, even in the Mormon church, you know, you can't be a bishop or a preacher or anything of that nature. And in Islam, women cannot become an imam or take any sort of religious service. And in, in um, with the Muslims, they separate the sexes which is interesting. You know, the sexes are separated. But even in some, um, you know, Pentecostal churches or Protestant churches, and I'm a witness of this myself, you know, I've attended churches whereas the women and the men were separated, and, you know, these were Protestant churches. I've attended churches in which the pastor did not believe that a woman's role was anything above taking care of Sunday school, doing a daycare, you know, um, making the food, serving the food, serving the will of the men in a church. And I've, I've been there. You know, my mom drug me to all kind of churches. And, you know, I always hated it, always hated it. You know, the interesting thing is is that um, when talking with some of these preachers, you know, especially when I was involved with the Muslims for a minute, it was only a minute. And one of the guys in charge, uh, basically, you know, he used to tease me. He used to say, your husband is going to have a time I'm with you. And so, you know, <laughs> he already knew. So the whole thing is interesting. William, give a telephone number again. That's uh, 310-982-4273 to get through. And if you want to speak with the host, you want to, 
You, you know that knob on your computer speakers there? Go ahead and, go ahead and turn that counterclockwise. Get that volume down. And then press one to speak with the host. Yeah, I tell you, these men, they're they're not just going to give up their male privilege. They wrote that in a long time ago, knowing what they were doing. That's um, I think that's part of the narrative too. Is that um, got to stop um, uh, saying like uh, when when we see somebody just really pushing male privilege in modern day ways with with the sort of legislation these guys try to pass now, and you know the way you see is some of these men treat female bloggers and what have you. We 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 keep on pretending that they don't know what they're doing. It's not they they not they know not what they do. They know what they do and they know why. They will lose their male privilege kicking and screaming. They will not hand it over quietly. Exactly, exactly. And they they basically subjugate women to a position of inferiority. Now you know I've heard some men say you know uh, you know you cannot have inferiority or develop an inferiority complex unless, you know, you give that person permission to do so. But that's not necessarily, you know, the truth in some cases, whereas if, when you go to church and you're indoctrinated at church, you're indoctrinated at home, even with, you know, some of the commercials and some of the television shows, all of this, it has an impact. You know, they're not, you know, a lot of people do watch a lot of television. They read a lot of these books. And, you know, and in some cases these videos, you know, now why people believe videos are true, I don't know, but some people do. And what happens is, again, you know, um, in some cases, you know, women are not able to speak their opinions and women have no authority over men. You know, go back to that, you know, uh, scripture from Paul in which it says the women should sit in silence you know, and allow their husbands to teach them, even though that's been taken out of context, but that's not, you know, I'm not going to put it in a proper context today, but, you know, men use that against women in an effort to silence them. And we've talked before about how, you know, women are silenced and intimidated into being silent or to change their opinion, just, you know, a number of different, you know, ways in which they have control over women. And then you hear these women jokes and, you know, the sandwich jokes, you know, Dave Chappelle's sandwich joke, that's like, you know, part of most men's repertoire is just funny to me, you know, how they think it's funny by telling a woman to go and make him a sandwich after he's done whatever he wants to do sexually to her. And, you know, the women laugh at it and they think that it's funny and it's not funny, you know, because what they're doing is they're degrading you and they're telling you that, you know, your worth is nothing but to be a sex object, you know, and a baby maker. And, you know, that's not encouraging in any way whatsoever. But, you know, again, we have to make some changes and, you know, basically get out here and start forcing the issue and, you know, yeah, Raina, I see you. I got your text. I don't see it yet. Um, basically, start forcing the issue and make these guys start respecting us and demanding the equal rights that we deserve. And as far as, you know, the ministry is concerned, I don't understand why many women would want to even be a part of the ministry because it's a good old boys network. And, you know, you know many of them... Basically, you know, they want to keep it that way because in many cases they have secrets to hide. And so, 
you know, that's that. And, huh, okay, our Skype callers aren't getting through, just to kind of let you guys know. And the call-in number, again, is 310-982-4273 to get through to Paul William there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, it's just the whole thing is interesting, but I just think it's important that, you know, we realize that in, you know, a sexist society, a woman's predominant role in life is to be a man's helpmate you know, from a religious perspective, to cook and work for him without being paid to bear him children and bring those kids up and to guarantee him psychological and sexual satisfaction with the woman's places in the home. And um, it's just interesting. This is one of the reasons why we have glass ceilings, you know, in some of these places of employment because basically many of these men view working women as basically they're just working to get some pocket change. And that's, you know, that's why they justify paying women less because we're only working to get pocket change in many of their eyes, if you will. And when it comes to matters of, you know, the church or school or state or any type of governmental role or Anything, that's not our place, according to some of these men. That's the man's place, and that's the reason why you see them, you know, creating these laws, especially the reproductive laws. You know, have you all ever just sat back and wondered why these men are trying to basically outlaw abortion, outlaw a lot of different things regarding reproductive rights? Oh, yeah, what, 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 uh... Oh, so yeah. What what makes the guy's brain think that? Like, think about it, the 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 transvaginal probe before it became a thing. It was an idea. So, that was in someone's head to think that. Well, if she has sex and she enjoys it, and she doesn't want to make a baby out of it, then I'm 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 going to have something done to her. I'm going to have something placed inside her vagina, whether she likes it or not. Because she 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 didn't have sex the way I wanted her to, and for the reason that I wanted her to. So now I'm going to have to step in with some force, and and take this object. This I I I I see that thing as crass as it is. Probe my ass. That is a dildo with a camera on it, and you're a creep for wanting to do that to somebody. Exactly. You know, I see it as one last chance to, you know, to me, you know, ah. Uh, you know, I want to say something, but I know it's going to be controversial. I probably shouldn't care, but I just see it as, you know, their way, you know, to a certain extent to vicariously rape that woman, to force her to, you know, basically allow them to probe her body with yeah. that object. Yeah. And, you know, again, like you said, with the camera and all of that, and guys, Many of us women, when we have our yearly, depending on, you know, the situation, they use that. And when I say it's not the most comfortable feeling in the world, it's not. And, yes, Cuffy, you're correct. It is a shaming tactic. And it's it's horrible to force a woman to go through that, you know, for her to make the decision to terminate a pregnancy, in many cases it was difficult to even begin with. You know, it was difficult for her to make that that decision to terminate that pregnancy and then to have to go through that and, you know, again, shaming tactic, 
humiliation, and then depending on where you go, another way that, you know, they exploit women are these um, pregnancy crisis centers. And you'll see the advertisements all over the place. Pregnant and scared or pregnant and need a free pregnancy test, you know, you know, think you're pregnant, and you go into those places, and they'll give you the free pregnancy test. They'll give you the results, and then they'll sit down and, quote, unquote, counsel you and ask you exactly what do you plan to do with the child or said child. And if you say that you plan to abort the child, they find every reason to convince you to not go through that procedure, you know, um, you know, you know. I'll use myself as an example. I had gotten pregnant when I was about 19, and I went to one of those places and basically, you know, got the results and was upset. And I was like, oh, no, we're not having this. And they called themselves counseling me and saying, well, you know, um, you can leave college and we'll send you somewhere, you can have the baby, then you can give the baby up for adoption and all of that. And I'm like, well, why go through all of that when I can just terminate the pregnancy? And, you know, you're already feeling upset and down. And to have these people counseling you and telling you that, you know, um, that it's wrong, and then they started using scripture, you know, on me, stating that, you know, what I was doing was wrong and I was killing and all of that. And so, you know, you're already upset and depressed because, you know, you're pregnant. And then to have, you know, these people telling you that, you know, you're going to hell, if you will, because, you know, you're terminating a pregnancy. It's just wrong on so many different levels. Well, to make a long story short, besides getting that counseling there, or whatever the hell that was, and basically going home and having to deal with my mother and, you know, her telling me that she was not going to help me abort that child, if you will. I was just upset and depressed and, you know, actually didn't know what to do at that point, and I ended up uh, miscarrying the baby. And it's just, I don't know, I just think it's wrong. I think it's wrong. Um, I think that those crisis centers, they exploit women, they exploit their vulnerability at that point. You know, I was in college trying to figure out what I was going to do. And then, you know, again, my mother was going to force the issue. So, you know, when I speak about some of these things, I'm speaking from a personal perspective because I've been through this. And, you know, it's, it's it's just interesting how all of that works. But, yeah, you know, it's not right on any level whatsoever. And, you know, I feel that some of these parents force these people or force these young girls, and even in some cases the young boys, to um, go through with the pregnancy. And I think it's a means of punishment. I think it's a means of punishment. There's Raina. There we go. We got Raina on the line with us. And I think this is Deborah as well. Sorry about that, guys. My my screen froze on me. Hey, you know, you know something else? You know, I had a friend who got pregnant, and she was telling me about this. She was going through it and how her family kept telling her to keep the baby, to keep the baby, to keep the baby. And so she did. And then when 
baby was born, nobody wanted to help her with the child and nothing like that. So she's having to beg and scrape and to get to, to take care of the child and everything. And it's like, you know, that's that's one that's one more strain upon the system. That's one more strain upon a, on a person. I don't I don't have a problem. I, I don't hate kids because I have plenty of nephews and stuff like that. But even I have to admit. My teenage sister having three kids before she's 21 was a stupid thing. And if accessibility to handling these situations were not such a shameful act because society has made women such villains for doing that, then we wouldn't have this issue and there would be different avenues. That's one more, one more person who has another avenue towards a more productive uh, uh, um, future and um, less of a strain up on the system that they don't even want to help maintain, despite the fact that they want you to keep the job. Right. You know, it's it, it's, a, it's you know, and, it's, and it, I just really find that you are a sick Nazi bastard for thinking that because you have a penis, you can decide through legislation what women can do with their body and their thing. I mean, I just think that just I'm sitting up here with a dick, so that gives me the magic wand to say, hey, yo, I don't think these women should be aborting children that I don't even have to raise. You know what I'm saying? You know, right. <laughs> I mean, how do you even come up with that jump, man? I mean, how can you say how can you? It's all in the Bible. It, oh, can y'all hear me? Yes, yeah, ma'am. Go ahead, Deborah. Oh, shoot. I was talking to myself. <laughs> oh, there's <laughs> I'm sorry. (laughs) That's okay, but no, you're right. You know, they use the Bible as a weapon, and they use the Bible and religion as a way to continue to perpetuate that. But, again, you know, going back to, you know, what Mario was talking about, you know, having that number of children, you know, whether she was before, you know, younger than 21 or 21 or whether she was 40 or 50, you know, especially if you do not have the means in which to take care of those children without assistance from others, it's hard. It's very hard. Go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say when I was growing up, I'm, 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 I'm almost 60. I remember when I first even came on my monthly for the first time in life, I thought I had did something wrong, and I hid it. What I'm saying is they don't discuss because of, I think because of Christianity, certain things that's supposed to be discussed with, with, with little kids about how the, how a baby gets here, different things like that. Uh, what goes? I mean, be real. Are not discussed with uh, uh, by parents to their their daughters or or sons. Now, when I got two boys, when they was like nine. Nine and ten, somewhere around like that. Um, at my job, we had some nurses to come to my job uh, to explain different things because I was in social services, and they brought uh, 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 condoms. I grabbed two whole hands full. Came home. Well, what you what you get? What you bringing that home for, Ma? Let me explain something to you. I don't want you to have sex before you marry, but if you do. Use these. Oh, you don't, we don't do nothing like that, Ma. Here, I don't, I don't sit up there, and 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 do their beds and clean their beds up. Don't look under the mattress. Don't see. 
what what that uh, 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 what was that book back then um, where you still had all them naked women in there? Playboy. Play. I don't see Playboy magazines. Oh my, we don't do nothing like that. Gonna tell me now, like I'm stupid. Okay. Yeah. Now, so just because they're interested in the in in Playboy doesn't mean they're having sex. But we understand what you're saying. Uh, yeah. And so, like, the point is, even if they wasn't, it's not that it wasn't on their head. You know what I'm saying? It's not yeah, in their yeah, head yeah, right. about what's this all about. And she, you mm-hmm. need to discuss it. And these 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 Christian parents are so religious that they're not even discussing stuff with you know with their children. And I do believe that. You know, because it wasn't discussed with me. Okay? It was not discussed with me. Yeah, I agree with you. My my sex talk was, you know, there are certain things that you shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. That was the extent <laughs> of it. <laughs> that, was, that was my sex talk. And when some of the older women at the church, you know, sat us down and started talking to us about sex, my mom got upset because she didn't want them talking to me about sex, and my mom actually signed the exempt form in school so that they couldn't teach me about sex education in school. She didn't want me to know anything about it. And it's not my mom. There were a lot of parents like that. Just because you don't allow your children to get sex education in school and you don't want other responsible adults, then that means they're going to get it off the street, which means more than likely the information is going to be incorrect, and they're going to, they want to know why you're hiding it. Right, and I mean, even, in, and, then, and then the thing about it is, is, like, I remember, I remember being in sex ed when I was in school, and I remember, like, you don't just sit in sex ed, you know, you know, for, for a week, you know what I mean, and not talk about what you talked about in class. You know, exactly. <laughs> like, you don't you don't leave sex ed and then be like, oh, uh, you know, oh, I, you know, that movie about herpes, you know, scared the living daylights out of me. I'm just gonna keep it to myself. You know what I mean? The first thing, the first thing you do on your lunch period is like, did y'all see that shit? What the hell is that? Right. You know. What I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing you do. Exactly. <laughs> So that's the first thing you do. You try to figure it out, and you're like, what's really going on? And, you know, you talk to each other because, you know, there are a lot of girls, including myself, that did not know what a menstrual cycle was. But anyway, we're here to talk about exploitation of women. But, you know, part of that is that because, you know, the parents aren't teaching, especially these young girls, what's happening with her body. And, you know, it leaves room for grown men and other boys to move in and basically say, oh, well, you can't get pregnant if I do this. If you only let me put this to bed, you know, you can't get pregnant and this can't happen. And you don't get pregnant your first time you have sex. But it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. The whole idea, you know, especially when I was coming up, is boys, screw as much as you can. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. Get as much um, picky as you can. Girls, I'll beat the shit out of you. I'll beat the shit out of you if you're if you're if you if even attempting to think about having sex. Consequently, when I'm 14 and I finally lose my virginity, the girl who was like a year younger than me was more sexually advanced than I was. 
because nobody ever told her nothing. They just said, don't do it. But obviously, she had seen somebody doing it. It had been done around her for, you know, her, her to have more like a sexual advantage on me. And so that's how I'm in high school. I know I don't know how it was anybody else went, but in high school, the freakiest chick in high school was that chick who had the strictest parents and didn't even let her talk to boys or nothing. You know why? Ain't nobody telling her nothing. But it feels good. Her body is activated. The things are working. Nobody's talking to her about it, though. But here are all these dudes paying her attention, and she's getting a lot of attention. She's getting a lot of uh, these guys chasing her down and everything. Her parents are not talking her out of it. So that's why you have this, these problems here. And these dudes are knuckleheads because these dudes were taught by knuckleheads and said the best way to be a man is to screw as many women as you can. Exactly. So it's a detriment to you in our, our entire society. Exactly. exactly. And they don't even tell you how easy it is to get in that situation. You know, I mean, before you know it, you can be in that situation. You know, I can remember when... When I was in high school, I I think I had dated this guy maybe two years, and all of a sudden, you know, it just it just happened, you know, out the clear blue sky. I mean, like they don't warn you how far to go, you know. They just it's, it's nothing it's nothing there. <laughs> right, right, and you know, not only just with the sex education, but just education in general on how you can be manipulated and, again, exploited and, you know, but that's male and female because, you know, yeah. again, I gave the scenario with, you know, my friend's son and a 24-year-old girl. You know, I'm still incensed about that to this day. And basically, you know, talking to these children, it started, instead of making everything seem like a dirty secret, be, you know, be honest with them, you know. And, again, I'm one of those people that, do not necessarily believe in certain things. And um, as far as, like, you know, different types of, you know, in religion, they tell you about the different types of love. They tell you about the brotherly love, the romantic love, just these different types of love. And I don't necessarily believe in certain types of love. But anyway, that's just my personal thing there. But, yeah, you know, you get there and you start explaining these things to people. And one of the issues with, some women and some men, but particularly with some women and little girls, is in some cases they get sex and love mixed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they need to start talking to these young people about that, you know, as soon as they can. Because, you know, um, one example was down in Florida with the one particular pastor when he impregnated an underage girl at his church. And this is Gilliard, you know, G-I-L-Y-A-R-D, something like that. And basically he went to jail with a young lady. They were trying to get her to abort the child, the pastor, and her parents. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, abortion is okay in this respect, but they were trying to get her to the abort the child, and she would not abort the child. She decided she wanted to have that baby. And her parents turned against her, and... The girl at the time, I think she was about 13, 14, and they basically said that it was her fault. She seduced the pastor. Now, mind you, these are her parents, and her parents were blind. Mm. Her parents were indicted as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the pastor went to jail. Her parents went to jail. She had the baby. She had, 
you know, some people from different agencies and other places helping her. And basically the pastor got out of jail, and, and he's pastoring a church a full of blocks away from the old church. And they allowed him to come into the church because he could, you know, get a crowd in there. You know, he turned the other church into a mega church, and they want their church turned into a mega church so that the money would come in. But what happened was is he's a registered sex offender. So he was not allowed to be around children. So they banned the children from the church. Yeah, you know, I saw that. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yet, um, 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 basically, what happened is, you know, um, with that young lady, she was re-victimized. And, mm-hmm. yeah, she was re-victimized. And let's see here. We have a call here from three two three three two three. Are you there? Yep, I'm here. Hey, may we ask Hi. a call? Mm-hmm. Hey, Dia. Hi. Um, I just wanted to contribute to the conversation because I used to um be a case manager for pregnant and parenting teens on welfare here in California. It's a program here called Cal Learn. And you learn a lot being a case manager there. Um, but one thing, a lot of the girls that I ha- – well, not even just girls, guys too, but majority girls, um, a lot of them were raised very, very religious. A uh, good chunk of my girls were Catholic, and their families did not believe in birth control. Their, pa- their families did not believe in abortion. Um, so these girls were having children. And they, mind you, a lot of them didn't even have to sex education. But you talk to them, they say, well, I only did it one time. Or, he, you know, he, he was pulling out. And never mind the fact they don't even know how they don't know anything about sex or how their bodies work or anything like that. And a lot of these girls in the thing is about this program in order to qualify for the program, which is a program that helps them graduate from high school and give them money to do their day to day things, but these are girls who are all on welfare. So on one hand we have a society that says, you know, we have too many people on welfare, there are too many children having children and, you know, they're anti every program, but at the same time, they don't want these girls to have access to, for example, Plan B or have access to an abortion. But yet they're right. complaining about the money that we spend on these social programs, but we're forcing these girls to have these babies by not educating them. So that was kind of basically Yeah, and not only that, not only on. that, but even, but even um, the girls that are on, like, you know, um, Medicare, you know what I mean, um, after you know, getting on welfare or whatever with their children. I I actually tutored a woman, uh, well, not a woman, I tutored her child as a part of the, um, I, I had a contract um, where I was living, you know, to work with these low-income children. And this one woman, she was telling me how she had begged to have uh, her, her tubes tied after she had her first child on welfare because she didn't want to have any more children. Mm-hmm. Right. She begged, and and she was 26 years old. She was 17 when she had her first child, and she had two more children. It wasn't like she had the children back to back, you know what I mean? So it's not mm-hmm. like she was she was just she was just out there being wholly irresponsible. She was doing that. She would have had a child every year, you know what I mean? But <laughs> they wouldn't give her, you know, the the procedure that she wanted to have done because she knew that she wasn't going to be able to you know, take care of her children to the best of her ability, having more and more kids. So it wasn't until she she had the third child that they started they, they started to think, okay, well, maybe we'll give you the procedure. You know what I mean? 
But sure. I was going to say that um, with, 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 to go along with what you were saying, I actually have a friend who's a social worker, and she was telling me about a case that she handled with a, with a couple of girls who ran away from home. And they had um, ran into these two boys, and one of the boys they knew had herpes, and they both ended up having sex with them. And when she asked the girls why they had sex with this boy, knowing that he had herpes, they said, well, they, when he washed it off. Wow. Right. Wow. Wow. Well, but it's just like it's a vicious, it's a vicious cycle, because on one hand, you know, they're saying that they don't want these children to be in these entitlement programs or to receive welfare or what have you, teaching them that sex is wrong before you get married, and but on the other hand, you know, you, you know, everything, well, quite a bit of what you see in the media is, you know, about some type of, you know, sexuality or what have you. And then when the the young people do find themselves in that position, you don't want them to abort the baby, but yet you still want the right to complain when they have the child and they need assistance. You know, what do you expect them to do? Part of it is is that when we talk about sex in our society and and part of this, you know, comes from the church, is that we talk about sex in terms of women, in terms of their responsibility, and we talk about sex in terms of men, in terms of their pleasure. Like, very very rarely do we get into conversations about men being irresponsible when it comes to sex. And, and in those situations, we're talking about men typically who have more children than they can afford to support. Exactly. But in most cases... In most cases, when we're talking about men and sex, you know, even if he just has one kid and he do all he does is just is just have a is just throw out a check, you know what I mean? Right. Like no one's talking about, oh, you're not handling your responsibilities, but it's usually exactly. the responsibility falls on the woman, you know? Right. It's not no one no one asks the the man why didn't she use a condom? They're, the first question is why didn't she use right. birth control? That's right. You know what I mean? My ex- my ex works at a company that uh, doesn't even offer uh, 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 maternity leave. So, you know, if you get pregnant, you pretty much screwed. Yeah. You know. But see, the whole thing is, you know, women, you know, again, it goes back to what Tim was saying about women and our value in the workplace and the way that people that, uh, you know, you us, you know, they're thinking, oh, well, you know, if you if you just had a man, you know what I mean, or shouldn't your man just take care of that? You know, as opposed to, you know, no, I need to pay you and, you know, look out for you as my worker. You know? So. See, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact this is this is a southern this is a very southern town. It's uh an hour from me. And they still have a lot of those old values and stuff. So nine times ten mm-hmm. they this woman that already be married and some of these women don't have to work mm-hmm. and they don't want to because they're taken care of by their man. Like one woman actually said, my husband gave me permission to go to quit working and go back to school and mm-hmm. everything. So they, I guess they don't believe they need maternity leave because they don't expect any single single mothers to be working there. I don't know. That's, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was ludicrous when I heard about it. I, I used to say Southern, but, you know, I've been on, on, on the Internet for a while, and, like, I've, I've talked to people who are, like, uh, you know, up up New York and, and 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 Chicago and all them places and like 
they got some southern ways the same way. You know, I mean, it's, it's not a southern thing. It's a it's a patriarchal thing. Yeah, you probably right. Right, right, and, and that's and that's the thing. You know, I believe for quite a few people, they don't understand what patriarchy is just in general, mm-hmm. and yeah. we have to go out and we have to explain it and show how different scenarios, different situations, how it's being patriarchal and how it's unfair to the woman and you know, or to the children. And, you know, I, that's why shows like this, you know, that's why it's important and that we get out here and we start talking to people. But part of the obstacle that I've had to, you know, overcome when talking to people is the religion. And, you know, trying to break down some of those barriers and some of those thought processes. And, you know, you can still be spiritual, you can still be religious while getting your just due. Mm -hmm. You know, because, um, you know, for a lot of women, you know, (laughs) a lot of women, they get to cry as opposed to getting their justice, you know. And, And that's, you know, kind of the way that it's set up for... You know, some women, especially some women in religion, they just go home and cry about it, and 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 they're not taught to seek justice. You know, they're taught that God will take care of it, God will fix it, and let it go and let God. So in many cases, they never get the justice that they deserve, which I think, you know, that's horrible. That's horrible. It's counterproductive. It's counterintuitive. And... That's why we have some of the issues that we have just in general. And that's why we have to teach some of these young people because, you know, with some of the young people, they're rejecting some of the traditional um, religious mindsets, and that works to our benefit. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's true with everything. I, I, I do believe that a lot of people think that we 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 were supposed, God, it was God, in God's thing, that we were supposed to go through slavery. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, some well, people that. That we're supposed to go through this because, you know. I, mm-hmm. Well, quite a few of them still have that mindset, you know, going back to, you know, earlier when we were talking about the young lady um, that, you know, well, the young man that beat his daughters and how some of the people were basically saying that the young girls deserve what they get and the mama should have been beat too. That's that slave mentality. And when you start pointing it out about how the slaves were beaten into submission and basically it's been passed down generation to generation, then then some of the excuses that they give was better that I beat you than, you know, a pimp on the street or a stranger or the police. And that's the excuse that they used back then because the slave masters, in some cases, would tell some of the parents to beat their children. It's better that they do it as opposed to the slave master having to do it or the overseer. Mm-hmm. And it's been passed down. And it's just horrible. It's, it's horrible. And they, they think that they turned out okay. And, you know, I beg to differ. I mean, there are studies out there, all kinds of studies. <laughs> you know, we post them all the time. But they ignore it. Yeah, you should even look at the comments on the study section. And, you know, it's just, you know, I look at it and, you know, everybody thinks that their way is the best way. 
And if it's beating, you know, your children or beating women or what have you into submission, if that works out so well, then why do we still have high crime rates? Why do we have, you know, uh, you know, the high, you know, birth rates that we have? Why do we still, why do we, it just nothing has changed. It's actually gotten a little worse, even though the teen pregnancy rates have gone down. I think it's a difference between spanking and child abuse. I mean, I I beg to differ with you there. I think I think it, I think it's ridiculous that when we have when we talk about two adults getting you know getting physical with each other, it's assault. But if you turn it onto a onto a little person, it's 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 discipline. You know I what I mean? That, I think when a child. I think when a child is two or three years old, and then I, you have like I'll, I, when I talk about spanking, I might say no, no, and tap them on the hand. Okay, well, never, your, your definition never, of spanking is a little bit different than most people's, but I do agree that when when a child is like two two years old, that sitting there and trying to have a conversation to, with them about fire and how dangerous it is is probably not going to be very productive. But, yeah, that's but, what I'm talking. But slapping them, but slapping them on the hand a little bit, tapping them on the hand a little bit, is not such a big deal. Which well, that's what I call. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, you know, I I I don't anything else is child abuse. That's yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I agree. I agree with that. Okay, we're on the same page. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it's interesting because I think I may have gotten three spankings in my entire life, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember some of my church friends, they used to tell me that was my problem, that I didn't get beat enough growing up. And I just thought that was, you know, an interesting. You know, it was just interesting because I was told that I was spoiled and all kinds of craziness. But Spanking a child is is not necessarily the answer, and I understand. Uh, <laughs> I understand what you know you're saying. Sitting down and talking to a two year old, you know, because their their response to almost everything is why, why, and yeah. you'll be sitting there. <laughs> yeah. And, and even even if even if they sit there and ask why, they're not going to understand. You know, at two years old all the reasons that you offer, you know what I mean? Like, you can, because it'll burn you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Why? Because, because fire is, you know, it, it oxidizes, you know what I mean? It, it, you know, it causes damage, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you, need to you know, um, they, they, um, they, even with that, the whole thing, I even asked a question in a debate and everything. I asked, all right, now, um, you're only reacting this way to this because there are young women showing a type of sexual behavior. That's the only reason a well, young girl showing a type of sexual behavior. And there have been a couple teenage boys sitting there watching porn and talking about how they're going to tear, tear some uh, somebody up. You, they would not have gotten a whipping like that. Probably they would not, not. have been yeah, and and that goes to what we we're talking about with you know religion and patriarchy and all that stuff, you know. And it goes to you know what we've talked about before in terms of like respectability politics and you know what we you know what I mentioned earlier about you know the way that we talk about pleasure. You know what I mean? Those, I mean, even if those girls had been 
making a twerk video, which it turns out they weren't. You know what I mean? Like, my main thing would be, why are you posting this on the Internet? You know what I mean? Not necessarily, why are you dancing like that? You know, because dancing like that in and of itself is, 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 is inappropriate at a certain age, and we talk about that too, but, but why the need to put it on the Internet, I think, would be the first conversation I'd want to have. You know, who is this for? Who are you trying to attract? You know, why do you think this is a good thing? You know what I mean? That would be the sort of conversation I'd want to, to have with those girls. You know, well, not whipping them within the coaxial table. Can I just okay. a second? Um, this is Vita. I was going to say, you know, it's interesting that when we when we look at this video and we say that the girls are dancing and, you know, not us, but you know, a lot of I hear a lot of black people justifying it and the way he hits those girls. I wonder if people ever – people, and one of the justifications people give is often, well, I would be way worse than that and I'm okay. You know, that's one of those common – yeah. Right. Like, yeah. But it doesn't matter that you know just because you were beat, there's, there's not justification for someone else getting beat. And I think a lot of times we forget how we felt when we were getting beat. I remember okay. whooping spankings, and I remember how I felt. And I used to be very much pro spanking up until I had to work with children, and you can't hit them <laughs> when it's your job, you know, and you have to find other ways to get them to do things or listen or whatever. Yeah, when you're forced right. in that kind of position, you figure things out. And, I, and that's when right. I learned that, you know what, like, spanking is so unnecessary. Even if people say it's not harmful, it's unnecessary, and it's pretty brutal in my opinion. And then how do you really justify in your mind, like, you know, at, like using that kind of violence on somebody that you love? We, we call it domestic violence when it happens between, you know, intimate partners. You know what I mean? Why why would it be okay for you to do that to your child? You know what I mean? Right. Even if it's just the, even if it's just a, even your hand, you know, even if it's your belt, like, and it's not a fist, you know, that's still violence. You know what I mean? But um, damn it, I forgot my point. You had a, you had me going, Vita, and I had a point that I wanted to go off of on yours, but like, it's okay. I'll come back. <laughs> Right, right, right. And Ayana said with those girls, they broke curfew. And it was just yeah. basically a coincidence that, that the camera was on because they were twerking immediately before that. And that's how all of that got caught on tape. Mm, right. Yeah. But so, I, I, I wanted to bring another point. It's interesting also that we, uh, we're, you know, when we say we want to have spanking and punishment for certain things, I always want to do we ever – actually have to know, you know, do these kids really even know what they're doing is wrong? I know when I got whipped, a lot of times, I didn't know I did anything wrong. Right, no one had a conversation right. with me. I, I put my hands on my hips one time, and my dad smacked me because I put my hands on my hips. Yeah. I didn't realize I was doing something negative. I didn't I didn't think that in my head. I just saw my mother do it, so I did it. And then I got smacked for it. Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's the same. It's the same because... I was talking about. That was one of the primary oh, things I was talking about when I got into an argument with these people in the group. I'm like, not one of you has said maybe he should have talked to him or encouraged positive growth. But explain right. why his concern. You're all advocating beating the shit out of somebody and not even tell them what the what the concern is, why you are so angry about it. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Well, right. I, I, okay, yeah. and I did, I just remembered my point that I was going to say. There's two points. Like, most of the time, and this is one of my primary reasons for being against banking. I think banking so, uh, is usually someone sort of trying to make up for their lazy parenting to begin with. You know what I mean? Because I think the main way that you teach your children is by modeling behavior. You know what I mean? If your child if if you if your child sees you lying to people, you know, being, you know, you know, yeah. dishonest, breaking rules, you know, what do you think your child's gonna do? Exactly. You know what I mean? But like if you if you talk to your child, if you model good behavior and all these sorts of things, that's the that's the main part of parenting in my in my opinion. And then the other part is is that, um, you know, I hear a lot of black parents say, well, you know, time out and, you know, taking away, you know, privileges doesn't work. Well, sure, it doesn't work after you've been beating the hell out of your child. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, at that point, you know, that stuff is like, yes, the whole, you know, I'm minor. Sorry. I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was, no, <laughs> no, I was I just, just saying, you know, like I'm saying at that point, of course it's not going to work. You know what I mean? Because you've been beating the hell out of your child. But, like, if you do... If you if you use the other methods first, you'll have a lot more success. You know, well, than, I mean, you know, not only thinking. that, but it's but you know what? Honestly, it's not even just that. I mean, it's the fact that we don't even like to get to the root causes of an issue. We re- immediately mm-hmm. resort to punishment. That to me is another yeah. problem. I've been when I, when I I I worked with kids who had all kinds of issues. I mean, we're talking kids who had ADD, ADHD, PTSD. Uh, when I worked for social services, and I also nanny still. I nanny full time and I nanny part time now. Like I said, never once have I ever hit any kid or had to hit a kid. But usually, when you talk to the kid, you can get to a root of a problem. But they don't want to do that. Automatically resort to punishment. You're doing something negative. I must punish you. It's the crime and punishment mentality that we have in this country overall. As soon as someone does something we don't like or veers off of a track, we are like, oh, we must punish. Not let's get to the problem. Let's find out what's going on. Maybe the child just is, is mimicking something. Maybe we have to figure out what this child is mimicking. Maybe this child is in pain. Maybe this child is acting out because you work a lot and they haven't seen you and they ha- they're just trying to get your attention. We don't think about those things a lot of times. We resort immediately to punishment. So it's not even exactly. just about timeout. It's not even just about spanking. It's about what are we doing? Well, no, and I was just saying, I think you need to talk to your kids, too. Yeah. Right. And how right. you talk it's, to your kids is important. Just saying, I don't want you to do that, that's bad, don't you ever do that again, is not talking to your child. I hate when right. people do that. And part of talking exactly. to your child is talking with them, listening and to them. Right. the nephews when I was helping to raise them when they were little, and you know, I've never believed in corporal punishment. I never had to spank them because I'm only a few years older than my nieces and nephews. My brothers and sisters are considerably older than myself, but I used to help them with these kids. And when they would do something, I would sit there and talk to them. And I would tell them mm-hmm. what they did and what they did that was wrong and what they should have done. And then I would make them repeat it back to me. And basically at the end of the conversation, I was like, are we going to have to talk about this again? And right. no, and we never had that issue again. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I mean, the, and then and then the other thing is, is like parents, they, you know, it's not just about telling kids what not to do; it's about telling them why they should do the right thing to begin with. You know what I mean? Like, and and demonstrating that, like, you know, you're not just doing this because you don't want to be punished. You're doing this because it's the right thing to do. When you do the right thing, you know, we have more time to do other things. You know what I mean? If you do your you do your chores, you have more time to do other things. You don't have to go back and repeat them. You know what I mean? You don't have things piling up. 
you know, you do the right thing because, you know, when you're honest with people, you know, they're more apt to be honest with you. You know what I mean? And and so yeah. on and so forth. You know what I mean? Oh, you know, but it's bigger than just doing the right thing. Because, I mean, that, could, that can vary what, what, what that even means. Sometimes, like, what, one of the things that has always worked for me in changing a child's behavior, if they're doing something negative or destructive, is often me talking to them and asking them what could they have done themselves and have them figure it out. Because if they figure it out themselves, they're more likely to remember than me telling them, you should have did this and this would have been a better result. Right. I usually try to. I mean, granted, you ask some questions that are very leading, like, okay, so if you wanted to play outside, but mommy has to finish washing the dishes, I mean, and, and before she can take you outside, maybe you should start helping her wash the dishes, that way she has more time. You know, things like that. And then usually they're like, oh, I guess I didn't think of that. Or if I clean my room ahead of time, I can actually go outside and play a little bit earlier. So right. getting them to think that, as opposed to you didn't clean your room, I'm coming in with your butt, or you're on, you're on timeout or whatever. Getting them to right. think about what that you want them to do and get them and let them come up with a, an appropriate way to reach their goal. Exactly, exactly. And some of the things you know you can do by example because I know a friend of mine. Um, I used to go and visit up on the weekends sometimes, and basically sometimes she would have to work on the weekends, so I'd be at home with you know the kids, and she would tell them what they needed to do, like fold the laundry. You know, she would have washed it, thrown it in a dryer, but they needed to fold it before she got home. And basically they would be sitting there, and it would be like an hour before she got off work, and I would say, did you all fold the laundry? And they'd have these sad looks on their faces. I'm like, come on, let's go and do it. I'll help you guys out with it. And so then the next time when they had to do it, I'm like, did you guys fold the laundry? Like, no, we'll do it now. And it became easier. It became easier, and, you know, sometimes I would help mm-hmm. them. But, you know, relatively, most of these children are good children. You just have to explain why, because I would explain to them, well, when your mom gets home, we'll be able to go to the mall, but if this isn't done, she's not going to want to take you guys. And they were used to her mm-hmm. not necessarily taking them all over the place. But whenever I was in town, they knew they were going to go because I insisted mm-hmm. on taking them, you know, different places. So. Mm-hmm. That's why it became easier for me to kind of instruct them to do things because sometimes I would help them or I would explain to them why it was important. And so it's just it's interesting, you know, different methodologies, and you know, on how to raise children. But, again, you have to let them know you have to talk to them. They're people. They're little people. Exactly. And so it's just as important that, you know, you keep that communication up. We have a call from 614. 614, may we ask who's calling? Yeah, this is Nate the Great calling from Columbus. How y'all doing? Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, thank you. Um, I know we keep on beating this over and over and over, but I thought I'd put in my two cents. When it came to those girls, I got that beating from their father. Well, one, when I was listening in when I was at the grocery store, I really liked what Moyo was doing when he described in, in very vivid detail what they were getting whipped with. And for me, it really brought it home. And I remember, of course, I was on a somebody's Facebook page, and they were debating whether or not if it was right or wrong. And, of course, the majority of the folks were saying, oh, I thought it was right, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't want to put in my two cents. And most of these people are used to some sort of Christian agenda or Christian perspective. But I remember how uh, my perspective was very different because I brought up the point, and I think Raina kind of touched on this, uh, and that is, where was the communication at? Not to mention the fact, these are teenage girls that are becoming women. I mean, where is the mm-hmm. conversation where, hey, 
you're becoming a woman now. You're going to have certain feelings. You're going to have certain urges. And you're going to want some attention from some of these boys. Where is the conversation at in, when it comes to, hey, this is how you get the positive type of attention. This is how you can get the type of attention that is going to help build you up. Uh, and being a confident woman can get you the kind of attention that's going to get you far in life. And coming in, of course, I also mentioned that I said every great battle, every great war is won because of good diligent and consistent communication. None of them had anything to say after that, at least to me anyway. They just kept on repeating over and over and over, oh, well, they need a last whip and so forth and so on. And I just thought it was some dumb shit. It's like, where is y'all's reasoning at? Where is your reasoning? Why can you not get past your ignorance? Um, and... I know some folks have said, well, that beating can be likened to slavery, so forth and so on, but getting an ass whooping I have seen is in all cultures. I don't care if it's black, white, Asian, whatever. The question is, is did the father go too far? And, of course, most of us here say, yes, he went way too far. There was one post that I saw or where comments were going back and forth where there were some of the Christians and he, um, some sort of picture took in the conversation where he agreed that the father went too far. And the conversation consisted of how do you win these girls over? How do you get them to think that it's their idea to stop doing whatever it is? Now, the twerking thing, I mean, depending upon the setting, so forth and so on, they were accidentally uh, caught on camera. I mean... Let me just say what, what that was all about. I mean, was it the proper context? Okay, maybe they needed that correction. But again, where is the positive reinforcement to say, do, do this, do, do that? Because uh, it seems well, as though... Well, the thing is, is that they did not need that type of correction. And maybe if the father had been having open and honest dialogues with those girls beforehand. Maybe they didn't know that twerking was, or, you know, his perception of twerking was a bad thing. They saw all the other kids doing it, and, you know, again, this goes back back to people allowing music videos and television and music and things of that nature to raise their children when they aren't raising their children. So, in essence, how can a child be beaten or hurt or reprimanded for doing something that they did not know was wrong, possibly? Exactly. And I mean, even if they did, even if he had a conversation with them about twerking, I mean, you know that adults are doing it. You know what I mean? And right. kids are curious, and kids kids like to kind of you know you know play roles and kind of you know imitate what they see. You know what I mean? In the world. And so, you know, they might have just been having fun, you know what I mean, doing all of that. Just yeah. for, just for <laughs> you know, shits and giggles. You know what I mean? So it might not have been a big deal, you know, but, you know, he he certainly um, he certainly overreacted, whether it was to twerking or whether it was to them sneaking out. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah, you know? I, think, I, I think he just got off on pure ego. Oh, record this, put this on the internet. That was his ego talking, and that's detrimental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, 
the thing that I, I look, I look at, I look at this, and I'm looking at it as though, you know, uh, um, um, even if it was twerking, we take back to when you were a teenager around that time. How much shit were you doing at the time? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. I mean, it's almost like all of a sudden, bam, I see these kids doing something I did at my age, so I'm going to beat the shit out of them like my mom did when I was when I was my, my um, her age, like her mom did when she was my age. And so it's like, you know, all of a sudden, bam, you expect your ch- your child to have a better moral, a better uh, um, idea of morality and, uh, uh, um, and empowerment than you had at the same time, even though you haven't even taught them any of that. Exactly. Because again, it goes it goes to a, a true dialogue with him. Obviously, he lost in quotations. He lost control of them years ago. He lost his influence years ago instead of understanding what it is they think and how they think it. Then he could have an honest conversation with them. Right, because we need to remember what we were like when we were younger. Because see, that's one of the problems that I that I see, especially you know with some of the older generations. They, in some cases, they get this selective memory, you know, and they forget certain things. They forget exactly. what they were doing when they were younger, and then they try to place the blame on the younger generation, saying, "I don't know what's wrong with them. We learned it from you." And the thing yep. is, is that, you know, they forget because, you know, people didn't just start twerking. It was called something else back in the day. What do you call it? The grind and the drop and all yep. that. Yep, yep, yep. Catch and roll. Right, It's the same thing. It just recycles itself. But they forget, you know, people were screwing back in the day, you know, except they were able to send their children down south to the, you know, family members in Mississippi and, you know, down in Arkansas and different places. But the same issues that are happening now were happening then, but people get that selective memory. And, again, you know, you have to sit down and talk to these children and give them examples, you know, um, Give them examples of what other people have had to go through and why certain things are not such a great idea. And, you know, you know, it's not easy. Life is not easy. You know, it's what you make it, but it's not necessarily easy. And in some cases, you know, the odds are stacked up against you. You know, no matter what you do, no matter how smart you are, no matter how much talent you have, sometimes you just have to work harder than, you know, a lot of other people who seem to have things handed to them. But it does not negate the fact that there are things that we have to do on our end as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, we have to do some work on our end. But it's just interesting when you go back and you look through history and we're having some of the same issues and it's continually perpetuating itself. So I guess the question, you know, is how do we stop it? How do we reverse it? How do we you know, help some of these younger people, and, and, you know, again, going back to religion and the exploitation of women, how do we help some of these women and some of these young girls make better decisions? Uh, teaching young men to value them for something other than uh, j- just starting out with just being pretty, you know, like it's something other than that, you know, like like, like just you can hear it in language, you know, you throw like a girl, you run like a girl, Start recognizing, um, you know, girls for things that they can do well. Like I remember here, like um, listening to a um, 
a, a, a woman's hour podcast. It's a, it's on the BBC and talking about like uh, people are so amazed that this woman was a scientist because they're they're not um, being taught that a woman can be a scientist when they're little boys when they're six and seven years old. Exactly. Not, you know, yeah. Or the women can throw, or the women can punch hard, or the women can throw far, or the women can run. You know what I mean? All of these things are going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I I had typed it in the chat room, but I thought I should probably say it out loud, uh, like with the parents not wanting their kids doing this thing that they did when they were teenagers, and it's that they uh they fear the slut shaming for their daughters that they know they experienced or that they probably engaged in themselves. You know, you were you were a young man and you probably shut slut shamed a young lady in your high school or middle school or college or or at work just earlier today, and then you have a daughter and you're like, ah, geez. I don't want that to happen to her. That might embarrass me vicariously through her or something. I think that probably goes on with a lot of older men once they have daughters. It does. I've watched it happen. Uh, well, as some know, you know, I grew up uh, in the Jehovah's Witness face. And I never really went all the way with it because it just never really felt natural to me. But there was a uh, there was a, a quote elder in the congregation who had two daughters, and he made them get baptized, dedicate their life, all this other crazy shit. Anyway, these are teenage daughters. One of them got with a guy, and she ended up getting pregnant. All right, hey, damage is done. There's nothing more you can do now but to love that baby that's coming into the world. The way that man ostracized his daughter at the Kingdom Hall and other places out in public, I would get so... I have nothing to do with the situation, but I would just get so fucking infuriated by what he was doing. Yeah, he's going around, oh, for the love of God, this and that, blah, blah, blah. But, motherfucker, you are doing the exact opposite with your daughter. Why can't you step down off of your pedestal, step down from your position, and see to your daughter? She's pregnant. She's alone. She needs your support. She needs your love more than ever. And when that baby comes into this world, you're going to forget all the bullshit, and you're going to love that baby. I mean, to watch that go on, man, I was so pissed off. Of course, sometimes I still get pissed off when I think about it, but, hey. Yeah, the same did. thing happened, man. I'm telling you, I grew up, I grew up in the Jehovah's Witness faith as well, and mm-hmm. uh, my grandmother really stuck with it, and she became a full fledged, you know, uh, member and everything like that. I never really got into it. So one of her okay. sisters has been married for since I was you know, before we ever met them, and I watched her little girl grow up, and her little girl was always with her, always with her, and so. Next thing I know, you know, about 15 or 16 years old, the girl gets pregnant. Well, mm-hmm. her father was one of the elders of the of the uh, Kingdom Hall, so because, yeah. quote-unquote, he couldn't keep his house in order, he had to step down from the elders thing. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And so, yeah. And uh, about a year or two later, she got pregnant again. And it's like, I like, man, I just, those people, man, I mean, it's a cult, man, for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there might be some good things that they teach, but the unhealthy things that go on in there outweighs the good that is in there. I mean, 
Of course, it took a while for me to come out of it. I don't know how long it took for you, Mario, but uh, uh, the dysfunction that goes on there, and especially when it comes to women and where they are. A woman, again, with, with the witnesses, a woman is not allowed a position of power whatsoever. Yeah. She's not a... She's not allowed to offer prayer at the beginning or the end of, of the service. She is not allowed to get up and give a talk as the rest of the, uh, her male counterparts are. I mean, it's just not there. And if they are giving prayer in the presence of a brother, they're supposed to cover their head with a scarf. I never knew. I, that never made sense to me. I was told it was to show their submission, and I'm like, I still don't get it. I, I just don't get it. She would always tell me every now and then that the, the uh, I don't know who the hell this dude is, but they, they call him the circuit overseer, would yeah. be coming in town, and how the women, you know, they were getting together to cook for him when he was coming yeah. to town and everything. Random women that are not married to this guy getting together to cook him a meal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I I saw that happen all the time too. Cooking in the meal, then they're gonna they'll say hi to him, but then they'll get with his wife and they'll be off in their own thing, conversating, so forth, so on. I mean, it's it's a lot. Uh, and as I think about it, uh, when it comes to suicide within the organization and, and within that organization, of course they'll never be able to, they'll they'll never want to keep a statistic on that because that'll shut them down. However, when I was thinking, even when I, especially when I think about it now, the women I've known that have either thought of suicide or carried it out, they were all women, all of them, each and every single one of them. Sure, there were guys that had their issues, so forth and so on. I know I had my issues. Well, I kept my issues hidden. So, but um, um, the guys, they were like, okay, we'll smack you. For the most part, it was a smack on the hand. Okay, we'll just fellowship you because we got to, but you'll be back in soon. So forth, so on. But a woman, she was definitely looking more at with scorn. Definitely. There's no if, answer, but about it. I lived it. I watched it happen. Um, and it would be nice if many of the religions would truly grasp what we're saying and how there are better ways to communicate with people, to show people how responsible they can be with their power, to show how loving and creative they can be, and protective, of course, with their power. But that's missing. Obviously, religion isn't doing it. I feel we need to have classes on this in the schools from kindergarten to 12th grade because yes. in so many homes, it's not getting taught. They're not giving exactly. the mental tools that they need to deal with certain shit. They're just not. That's right. And I, I, I know a, go ahead. I feel that if we if we started teaching this in school, our society in the next ten to fifteen years will will take a dramatic change. All of a sudden these rappers that come out here talking all this foolishness and nonsense, they're going to be turned away because nobody's spending money on them. Right. But they're going to right now because it's it's ignorance. It's mm -hmm. pure ignorance. But educate these kids, they're gonna they're gonna turn down the rapper that talks bullshit 
and they're going to turn up the rapper that talks about building themselves up. Do something with your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know a um, Christian preacher. It was about maybe three years ago. The girl came in. You know, she was uh, like 16 years old. She came in. She was pregnant. In front of this whole congregation, he told tells her to get out because she's yeah. pregnant. And like, you know, the point is that um, I don't forget what I was getting ready to say. Go ahead, because <laughs> I, I got so upset. Oh yeah, they're crying. The audacity for them to sit up there and say it's a war on Christianity. I mean, if you're not Christian. Uh, you're the devil. Yep. Everybody's the devil. And now, because people are talking back, they say, oh, they, they whining and crying. Oh, it's a warm Christianity. All the stuff you don't call everybody else. It's yeah, that fits, yeah, but that fits right into what they teach. Oh, we're persecuted, blah, blah, blah. See over here, these atheists, agnostic, these free thinkers. They're persecuting us. We're getting persecuted by the Muslims. That fits right into their doctrine. However, overly generalized, but it fits right into their doctrine. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I mean, we have to be kind of careful to a certain degree because we're not, you know, persecuting them, not even a little bit. It's just that we're opposing what they're saying, and they are so used to the status quo that, they are accustomed to getting their way just because it's, you know, the traditional thing that people generally do not challenge them. And what happens is when they come up against a group of people who are challenging them and refuse to back down and can substantiate their beliefs with facts and proof, and they don't know how to respond. And and then they get angry and upset, so now they're saying that we're persecuting them. And I've had many conversations like this on, you know, different Christian blogs and Christian friends of mine. And what I tell them is basically, you know, don't get angry with us. Get angry with your pastor. Get angry with yourself because they did not teach you properly. They did not teach you how to deal with people who are non-believers. Um, they discouraged you from doing research on your own. They discouraged you from going to other churches outside of yeah. their denomination yeah. or oh, their yeah. circle of friends. And I said, so don't get angry with us. Get angry with your parents. Get angry with your pastor. Get angry with yourself. And the thing is, is that because, again, with the advent of the Internet and the technology, this has been the best thing ever. You know, there were questions that I had even as a non-believer, you know, and I was able to answer quite a few, but there were some things that I needed to learn, and I'm still learning, which is why, you know, I encourage everybody, you know, the audience and people that I run into, research this information. You know, I haven't even, you know, you know, gathered 10% of the knowledge that's out there. And, you know, it's a lot more for us to learn, and that's why, you know, I'm grateful to have different people in my life that will challenge certain sensibilities of mine. And when it challenges that, it encourages me to go out 
and research even more. And while I'm doing that research, I stumble across other things that I have to research. You know, I know some people get, you know, they used to get upset at the number of links I will post after the show, but that's only a small percentage of what, you know, I read. I only give you all, you know, so many links, but the information is out there. Read, read, read. Turn that TV off. Or if you do one of my numbers, TV is on only so I can hear the voices and what have you, but I'm not paying attention to it. But read, read. Everything you need to know is in a book. And trust me, there are excerpts all over the Internet. That's why you'll see me posting PDFs or you'll see me posting Google Books and things like that. While you can't read the entire book, the parts that I do post, I want you to go and read because there's something in there that I want you to see. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it will stimulate you to go out and do more research. We mm-hmm. encourage it. You know, I enjoy when I'm wrong. When someone corrects me and tells me that I'm wrong about something, mm-hmm. I'm happy about it because okay. it, it makes me go out and look for more. You know, whereas with some other people, you tell them that they're wrong and, you know, all <laughs> hell breaks loose, if you will. They don't like being wrong. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay not to know something. But, you know, in regards to, you know, the subject matter today, to bring it back to center, basically, we have to keep talking about these issues. We have to keep putting it out there. And for this particular, you know, topic, this is part one. We're going to revisit this. We're definitely going to revisit religion and exploitation of women, and maybe we'll break it down even more next time. We'll talk about, you know, um, Islam, and we'll talk about Hinduism, and we'll talk about Christianity, and we'll break Christianity into two parts, you know, Catholicism and Protestantism. So, you know, we'll talk about all of that. And, yeah, you know, and give some more specific ways in which women are exploited. I talk about how they're not allowed to be in a hierarchy of religion. Um, We talk about how they are used for their services, called willing workers in some churches or volunteers. Now, there's nothing wrong with that because, you know, we all need volunteers to help out in some respect. But if they have you in that kitchen at church every Sunday cooking, And, I mean, cooking for the whole church, and yet they're charging for the dinner, and all you get is a free plate to eat then and maybe a plate to take home. That's not compensation enough, especially if you're working a job in which you're getting paid to be a cook, and then you're coming to church. And in some cases, cases they're they're providing the actual um, money for the the meal. You know what I mean? They're they're buying the food. The task. Exactly, exactly. I did, I did that before. When I last, well, I haven't been to church since around in. Uh, well, I stopped going to church in in the eighties. Uh, you know, as far as a member, and and that was one of my last positions, being on the on the on the uh, whatever. I don't even forgot what you call it. Where you have to do the cooking, <laughs> and then the men who were on there, before we could feed ourselves, the women who was cooking like they were cooking. We had to feed them first. Right. Uh-huh. Exactly. And, yeah, you feed, and this, this, is their, this is their order of things. You feed the men first and let them have whatever they want. You know, you've seen it in the movies when a greedy pastor comes to the house, and, oh, yeah. you know, you got five people at the table, and the, and the pastor takes both chicken breasts. And, uh, you know, you feed the, the men first, then you feed the children, and then whatever scraps are left over, the women can have it. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and it's, it's 
I'm like, yeah, we, we did go to some messed up churches. And it's just it's amazing, but some of those people bring that same mentality home. You know, yeah. so the husbands eat first, and then they'll feed the kids, and then the woman will still get, you know, the scraps or whatever's left over, if there's anything left over, because the kids are just as greedy as the husband, if you will. You know, they're uh-huh. growing. Mm-hmm. They need the food. You know, those are growing bodies. But, you know, again, you know, it's just just looking at it all, we have to do better. And because we have the knowledge and the information, you know, some women, you know, they're starting to, you know, wake up until a realization. And then for some of these, you know, religious women, they've been repressed, if you will. Some of them have come to this knowledge, and they came to this knowledge years ago, you know, talking about the feminist movement and the civil rights movement. Again, you know, black women, whether a lot of folks realize this or not, black women were integral to the feminist movement. And what happened in some cases is trying to conform to the social standards you know, they did, or they tried their best too. And a lot of the gains that were made, we lost those gains plus some, which is what we're trying to make up for it now. So, you know, don't, you know, discount all of these religious women. Many of them do know. They do remember the feminist movement. They do remember the gains that were made. It's just that many of them were intimidated and they were silent. So we just we just have to remember that, you know, but... It seems as though many of them, you know, are starting to stand up for themselves again, and they're starting to come into their own and understand, and they know that they have, you know, quite a few of us out here that, you know, will stand with them. You know, in that regard, we may not agree on certain ideologies, but other things we can agree on. But the main point that I want to make that's extremely important is that we teach these things to our children. So, you know, going back to, you know, we were talking about the issue earlier, it's not just all beholden to the little girls. It's beholden to the little boys, too. We have to teach them both. And in some cases, we have to teach men and women because some of these men have not been taught. Some of these women haven't been taught. So we have to continue to talk about these things, continue putting it out there, opening ourselves up to questions, answering them to the best of our ability, being able to say, I don't know, when we just simply don't know. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. It really is okay. So on that note, we're going to close it out. But, again, this is Religion and the Exploitation of Women, Part 1. We're going to talk about it a little bit more. I think this is an extremely important topic, and we will be delving into it more in the future. Um, Next week's show, we'll be talking about religion, sexuality, and society. The week after that, we will be conducting an interview with Sibu Hutchinson, the week after that, um, Grand Unified Theory will be on, and we'll be talking about hip-hop and homophobia. So those are the next three shows. Um, and we have Alfred and William this Tuesday coming, and we have Mario this Friday. That information will be posted, so stay tuned. Mario and Emily, can't forget Emily there. And so on that note, again, I appreciate you guys. Thank you for being part of Black Free Thinkers, where we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Yeah. Yeah.
Black free thinkers, where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night. Free thought, we don't walk by faith in a lost mind state, cause it's not quite safe. We don't recruit, we're not peers from a church, so don't be spooked, we're not here to convert. The only truth that's not pulled from a text, show me proof that's not good after death. This is the challenge to think for yourself, break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310-982-4273 to get through, a venue for community and this is the zone, if you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone. 310-982-4273 to get through. The next tree branch is Rainer, and it's best you listen to. Reason, science, and skepticism. It's loaded with straight facts, inspiring and dope. She can make Bill Nye retire his lab coat. Humans are hilarious, and every other Friday, I'd like to hear commentary on culture, people. So I hit up Super Mario and bring in Emmeline to discuss why we're capable of ultra evil. It's normal for my brain to have a two-way street, but if there's a collision, well, then you got to just mention it. And don't be afraid of where the truth may lead Ignoring your position of cognitive dissonance My father Teresa preaches, it's hard to stop So Kim paired me up with Alfred in the barbershop I have a extended family in all these places now As the free thought tree pollinates around here This is the challenge to think for yourself Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt 310-982-4273 to get through A venue for community and this is the zone If you'd like to speak with Kim then pick up the phone 310-982-4273 to get through Black Where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night We don't walk by faith in a lost mind state cause it's not quite safe